I am Reverend Deborah Phillips, and welcome to Discovering Spirit Within, a spiritual life center podcast dedicated to helping people discover and activate their personal relationship with the divine. Well, today I am with Sally Sion, and we're going to have a conversation about A Course in Miracles. Now, Sally, you, uh, you're a native of Sacramento. You've worked for the Justice Department. You've worked for the County Probation Department. And you looks to me like, sounds to me like you've worked with some of the more um, challenging people in the world. And I just want to welcome you and find out how all of that has led you into such a beautiful teaching. So welcome. Thank you. I appreciate being here. So A Course in Miracles is, um, you know, appeared in the late 70s. And somebody gave me the books, and I read them a little bit and put them away. And then I read them again a little bit. And one day I opened it up, or maybe I was actually trying to go through the process of, you know, one lesson after another. And I hit a lesson, and I read it. And it knocked me against the wall, threw me down, rolled me over a few times. And it completely changed my life. And I never went back because it was like, I think I got everything I ever needed. Because, And it was the lesson of you're never upset for the reason you think. And every once in a while I pick them up, but they're just not my path. And, and they absolutely, you know, I mean, the people that it's for, it's great. And so I love, I'd love to talk to you about how you see it, how it's brought you to where you are now. But I'd also like to talk a little bit about kind of what was your frame of mind before you found A Course in Miracles, and how did you find A Course in Miracles? I was at a point in my life where I was desperate, and um, certainly the job that I had contributed to that. Um, it, it was so challenging. I've, I've come to understand that people in a lot of the helping fields and that deal with a lot of the really desperate, hurting, chaotic people in our society, we have to come with come up with some kind of a coping mechanism. And for a lot of people, that's alcohol use, or they become really cynical and they really see the world in black and white. It's just a few of us good ones against everybody else out there that's the bad. Um, and none of those those two things didn't work for me. So I. I, I tried depression and, um, you know, thought that was a good, good path. <laughs> <laughs> it worked fine, but it wasn't, it wasn't very happy. Um, so I started just reading all kinds of self-help stuff and I, I wasn't going to have any God cause I was pretty um, angry at God. And, um, so I happened upon uh, a meditation class that was advertised in the little local newspaper. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I could go to a meditation class if it wasn't too, you know, churchy. So and it was at the local religious science church. And when I went to the class, the very first week that I walked in, it became utterly clear to me that the people that were attending that were from that community had something and I didn't have it and I desperately needed it 
So I decided I needed to hang around them for a while and figure out what their secret was. And I was sent to that particular church community because the minister there never used the word God. So she didn't run me out the door. She always talked about spirit or the universal principle or whatever. So I was able to get involved in study and in attending and in listening to the messages and stuff. And one of the things that I started attending was A Course in Miracles of the classes that I took. And fairly early on, it became very clear to me that the book had been written for me. I know that there's maybe hundreds of thousands of people out there in the world who maybe that also is true of, but it is specifically true for me. So the whole effort that Helen Schickman went through listening and all those people involved in publishing and the whole universe was aligned so that the message could be sent to me. And that's, you know, it's like, it's like that one lesson was, was meant for me. That one, that one lesson, I can't tell you how much of that one, that one sentence just changed everything for me. And I was, I was in my late twenties, early thirties, that one lesson. So, you know, but I think to me, what's so amazing about A Course in Miracles is the person who brought that in, the woman who went through what she went through to bring it in, she was not a believer of That's anything, right. was she? Right. And she never, she, she kind of vacillated back and forth, even after the seven years that she spent listening and writing it down. She sometimes would think, well, maybe this is true. And then other times thought that it was utter BS. So, um, yeah, she never became a believer. But in fact, she asked the voice, why her? Because she was not looking for, you know, a voice in the night. And the voice said that she had been chosen because she would do it. That was the only criteria. Because she would, in fact, be vigilant about listening and writing it down and then passing it on once she actually wrote it down in her shorthand she never had anything else to do with translating it putting it into a book getting it published nothing nothing her only job was to hear it and write it down so that bypassed all of the ego and the uh, should 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 be's it was like that we want this message to come in and be delivered the way it comes in. And she was able to do that. Exactly, exactly. So, so God works in mysterious ways. And I do know that a lot of people who have been attracted to A Course in Miracles were pretty much allergic to the whole idea of God when they started. So, well, it was certainly true for me. Yeah, yeah I was, well, I was and bad, I had talked, yeah. God. Didn't want any, anything to do with him, her, or it, so... And I noticed that the, that when you talk about the people that you worked with um, in your job, is as I can't remember what how you just described them, but it was really beautiful. Is that they're they're challenged? They're you know I mean did you did you learn to look at that 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 them that way through this process, or did you oh, always absolutely absolutely and and yes, the clients and the workers both, you know. Um, Chaos is difficult to deal with, um, and, and, you know, it's coming out of so much fear, so much fear, and it's, it's very difficult to stand in the 
presence of that fear day in and day out for 30 years. So yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. And yet a spiritual practice is the perfect antidote. Of, know, of course it would however be. However that takes. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that takes. And I, I don't know of anything else for me personally. I don't know of anything else which heals people in the same way that a spiritual practice can. I, I don't know that there's anything else out there. There's no other magic pill. You're right. There isn't. There isn't. <laughs> so were you still working in the, in that, uh, I, I guess industry is not a great word for it in that field. Uh, when you found A Course in Miracles, so were you oh, able yes. to, so oh, you yes. were able to bring that into your work. Yes, yes. Well, that's another beautiful thing. It wasn't like you quit and then went into a, a, a spiral and then found it. You actually got that support early on. Well, not yes. early on, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah that was the way that I was, that I was able to go on. Yes. Okay, because you also, I mean, you have really a, um, a spectacular sense of humor, which I'm guessing carried you a long way until you found something to support you, like a, like a spiritual practice. Well, my sense of humor was, you know, has been augmented because even for me now, I mean, I, I, for the course, I think one of the, one of the important things that the course does is it connects individuals with their own internal voice. And my internal voice has a huge amount of humor. As I was stumbling along in the beginning, trying to figure out, is this the voice or is not this not the voice? If my answer would come and leave me with a chuckle or whatever, I would know that it was for me. So my voice speaks to me with a sense of humor. You know, one of the things that I've always said is, is, is that spirit plays to its audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I also have a sense of humor. So much of what I get from spirit comes in, in a, in a humorous way as, as well. Um, I had a thing, there was this card deck called the mother Mary cards. And I've been, I decided to do a 21 day, um, dis, you know, uh, discipline with them. And I kept coming up with the same cards and the same cards and the same cards. And I'm like, and after 21 days, I sat and I counted the cards and how many had been duplicates. And it was like, over that period of time, I had drawn 33 cards. 11 of them were duplicates, which meant I had actually drawn 22 different cards. There's 44 cards in the deck, which just proved that I was always dealing with half a deck. <laughs> and when I came up with that, I just sat and laughed and laughed. It was spirit, me and spirit sitting there having, you know, sharing a joke. And it was hilarious. Exactly. Yes. It was yeah. hilarious. And, you know, well, that's what my the... answers. The course is very complex to read the text. I mean, it's enough to drive anybody. If that's enough to drive anybody to drink. And yet, you know, as I've practiced and read and practiced and read, I've, I've come to understand that there's only about eight or nine simple principles. And it just talks at each principle from every possible perspective. And when you get down to the kernel of it, it's so simple. And frequently my answers come with something which I'm puzzling over and have, you know, you know, have all this angst about, and then spirit will give me the answer. And it is so simple that there is a humor in that, that we make 
we make our travails so complex and the answer is so gentle and simple. Yeah, I am sometimes just astounded at how complicated we can make things. <laughs> we have we humans have a talent for that that is un, unequaled anywhere. <laughs> you know, and I think, you know, part of I have to remember now that part of what may have have colored my personal experience with uh, a course of miracles is I was in Salt Lake City in 1983. And I tried, I, I, I facilitated a faith, a course of miracles group for a short period of time. And I was very young. I was 33. I didn't have a lot of training. Um, I really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> None of us do. So that's <laughs> right. And, but, but the people that came to that group were leaning toward making A Course in Miracles their absolute Bible. It was the word of God, you know, going down that very fundamentalist. And I, you know, now, 40 years later or whatever, I can, I, I would have been able to deal with it. But back then, it's like, it says right in the middle, right in the front of the book, this is A Course in Miracles. It is one way to look at things. And I, they couldn't hear it. And I didn't know how to deal with it. So, um, you know, I took my little gem that turned, changed my whole life and went off and, you know, did my thing. But uh, it's interesting how people will latch on to something and make it their one and only. And I know that you don't. I mean, I know it is your foundation. I think when I, when I talk to you and see you, to me, A Course in Miracles is the foundation from which you work. Is yes. that? Yeah. It's the foundation from which I keep returning my thought process to. And yet I know when I first found the course, I mean, it was so transforming for me that I wanted everybody, you know, I thought everybody I know should, you know, just read this and they'll be fixed, you know, or they'll wake <laughs> up. And, and then it became clear to me that this was my path. This was my path. Um, and it's not, it's, it is not for everybody. Um, so that's why there are all these paths. That's why the Southern Baptists are out there. That's why the Pentecostals are out there. That's why the people that, you know, worship the snakes are out there because spirit is getting in the cracks of wherever our cracks happen to be in our consciousness. So thank you, God. Thank you. That's just such a beautiful way to, to, to put it, Sally. And the, you know, the whole point of this podcast is to talk about all the different ways that we can have a spiritual experience or engage in spiritual activities. And because everybody's built differently. Right. You know, um, when did you start facilitating a group? Did you just start that at Spiritual Life Center or had you? Oh, no, I've, I've been involved in, um, now I've studied the course for about 35 years. So um, I actually initially got involved in a group that we hosted a retreat every year. I started going to a retreat that was being hosted by some other people and then they kind of fell away and then a group of us took that over. So we did an annual retreat, um, you know, one week a year. And so I started then doing a group at that retreat. And, and the, the original group that I, um, that I first started going to at the Religious Science Church, I co-facilitated that group with Phyllis Hansen, um, who was a wonderful teacher who did groups for years and years and years. And then it 
over several years as she and I, you know, I kept going to that group if she couldn't be there for some reason or whatever I had taken over for her at times. And, um, oh, let's see, then I've done a group here at my home. And um, so, and then, so I've been in and out of involvement with a group. Um, so, so coming back to doing it, and of course, when we started it at Spiritual Life Center, it was supposed to be an introduction to the course for eight weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> How many so years that, ago was that? I don't know, about four or five. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, it, it helps me to have a time that I sit and devote to the thought process. Um, and um, so as long as people keep showing up, we just keep having it. So if people stop coming, then that'll mean that there's no more interest at this point, And that's fine too, whatever, whatever. So you're trained, are you trained as a counselor? You say in your bio that you have, you did counseling or was it, and the reason I'm asking this question is really where I'm trying to go with it is how, what was your experience? You're in counseling with people who are having great challenges, and then you get to go in and facilitate this other group. They're very different kinds of approaches. Or are well, they? Well, okay. All, all of my training and counseling all came as um, uh, job training kinds of things. I, okay. I did not, I graduated with a degree in sociology, but I, I never then, you know, had a master's degree, you know, or um, went through uh, marriage and family counseling training or any of that kind of thing. But I had hundreds of hours of um, training through the probation department, you know, as I was assigned to various jobs where um, a family counseling um, program that we had. And then um, the year that I spent in the, the victim services program, um, that was the hardest year I ever spent in my life. Um, but, but as I began to understand the course, the principles are the same because people can find their own solution. They have the strength within them. And in any kind of a counseling situation, I believe you have to come from that place that you're not there to, um, you know, tell them how to fix themselves or whatever, or even have an opinion about whether they should or shouldn't. You have to stay back from all of that and give the person the space to muddle through it on their own. But from a spiritual standpoint with the underlying assurance that they are whole they are whole already and they just have to get in touch with that. And, you know, that, that, that's one of the basic tenets of the course that all we're doing is erasing and removing the blocks to the awareness of who we are. We're not changing ourselves or improving ourselves or anything else. We're just coming home. So, you know, that, that's good. That's good in any relationship that you have with any human being is to try to remember that. My husband and I um, fostered, did foster care for a number of years. And then for eight years, we had an autistic man that lived with us. And particularly during the time that we fostered, 
we're not big enough that we were willing to do it for six disastrously raised kids and keep them forever. But there are families that do that. And as I watched, even within that system, the families and the people that were really successful with the most broken kids were the ones that could take a child and then just keep celebrating that child for what they could do. And and that's the same kind of process in any kind of healing. The only thing that heals anybody, it's not judgment, it's not intellect, it's not anything. It's placing them within that aura of unconditional love and celebrating them for where they're at. That's, that's what heals people. That's the only thing that heals people, in my humble opinion. Well, and of course, I, I will agree with you because I've seen it in action in my own way, in my own life. And, you know, we are living in a time right now where judgment and trying to fix people seems to be um, the, the most popular thing out there. And it, it's like, you know, would you rather be right, you know, be right or be happy? <laughs> and there's just this, all of this wrongness and, and, it's like, you know, you and I are very different people and we come at, it's interesting because we come at things differently, but somehow we also very much connect. And it's really fun to watch that dynamic as we're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And here we are together and, and we can talk about these things. And I never think, ever think that there's anything wrong with you or that you're wrong or that, you know, I want you to think the way I do. I just go, that's Sally. You know, that's our Sally. And, that's uh, right. She's just a little crazy, and that's the way she's at. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love what you said in your bio about you just learned to accept your craziness. You know, yeah. and I learned to accept my weirdness. I yeah. never thought me, I, I, I was weird. You thought, you know, you thought in terms of crazy. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, accepting yourself for who you are in any one moment. Right, right. Because right. we change too, right? We're not the same in any one moment. No, my understanding is, you know, different. That's why in terms of, I do believe that if you get, if you truly get any one of the 365 lessons in the course, then you're done. You know, any one of them would heal you. But um, I never have done like one a day. I've never been um, uh, tied to that ritual of having to do one a day and having to do this one on April 7th, because that's the one that's for April 7th or anything. But frequently on, on ones that touch me, I've done the same one over and over and over again, day after day. And there are little gnomes in my book that go in there and change it so that tomorrow when I reread it, I go, that wasn't in here yesterday. <laughs> so my understanding is constantly, it's like the lotus flower opening. You know, it's my understanding is becoming more and more and more. And, and at the basis of that, I do know now after 35 years of pra practicing the course that the only thing I'm supposed to do in this whole universe is to get my stuff together. Not anybody else's, that's their business. And me thinking that I should tell them to straighten up and fly right is just diverting my attention from my job. I'm supposed to see that I'm healed. 
So if I would just pay attention to that, I would be plenty busy, plenty <laughs> busy. I wouldn't have to worry about some of our um, national um, icons <laughs> <laughs> or anybody else. I could just stay busy just healing me. Yeah, I mean, that, and that, that's how, that's, I think... I had been in unity for a while and I had, had done a lot of healing, but when I hit that, you're never upset for the reason you think it was like everything in my mind turned over and it was a huge, huge shift in my perception of the world. And it's like, even now, if I start to get triggered with something, I step back and go, okay, what am I really, you know, what's really going on here? And sometimes I do it better than others, but there's always now that, what's really bugging you because it's it and it is never what I what I thought it was but I love what you said about not necessarily having to follow the rules about you know one one a day or and you go back to one or two that that really means something to you because there's also this thinking out there that I have to heal myself of all of these things when the truth is is that if you change one thing everything else starts to shift Yes. You know, we don't have to fix everything. It's like you move a picture in a room and then you go, oh, well, if that picture's moved, then I need to put the couch over here. And then, you know, eventually the whole room is rearranged. Right. Well, and the course tells us that we can't, I know, I'm absolutely positive that I cannot do the healing. You know, my part is to have a little willingness. Sometimes I don't even have that. Then I have to ask for a little willingness to have a little willingness. <laughs> but if I do the willingness part, if I'm willing to just, you know, say, okay, you know, I can maybe look at that a little differently or I can withhold my um, angst about that while God does the work, then God does the work. It's grace. It's grace. It's not me. <laughs> it's God doing it by a grace. You and know, I notice you've introduced the whole universe, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I notice you you now use the word God. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, and lots of other things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I, the word is irrelevant. The word yes. is irrelevant. I, I know that now. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter what we call it, Olive, you know, um, you know, Brahma. It doesn't matter. God does not care what we call God. <laughs> Well, and then there's all of the teachings and conversations you can get into about how just by naming something, you limit it. And, you know, we have to name it so that we can talk about it, so that we have a frame of reference for it. Right. But beyond that, it's only got the meaning that we give it. Yeah, I'm reading a book right now about quantum physics and about, you know, the field of energy, which is the background to everything. And that's God. You know, that's God. So it's the background energy or, you know, whatever. So whatever, whatever. Yeah, we could do a prayer in church. Dear, you know, old background energy, please. <laughs> because the thing is, too, I mean, we're coming back to the whole idea of humor. Um, you know, they know that people learn better when they're having fun. And why can't spirituality be fun? People get so serious and so so involved with what has to be. And this can, I mean, you and I are both really good examples on lots of different levels of the, 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 the sense of humor that, that spirit has. Yeah. <laughs> Just the yeah. fact that I'm here is like, <laughs> and how I, I just, I would love for us to, to lighten up. <laughs> Lighten if up I get about any God. lighter, I'll levitate, though. So, <laughs> well, 
you know, a little both. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go off on a whole other, other tangent here. I know that when, um, Course in Miracles first came out, it was kind of controversial inside unity. Um, I don't know if it was, maybe it wasn't in religious science because it was considered a channeled book. And um, the whole idea of channeling and psychic stuff was really, really, um, well, they didn't want you doing it. And it was because they were trying to teach people to do their own work. And if you were going to a psychic or if you were, you know, doing a channel, you were having someone else do the work for you. Um, I think that everybody, well, most people have lightened up on that a little bit, but, uh, that seems to have not have ever been a concern for you. You just looked at the material and it just spoke to you and that was it. Yeah. I, um, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to where it came from. Um, and in fact, it's supposed to be Jesus who dictated it. Mm -hmm. And, um, if I had realized that like that first year or whatever that I studied it, I would have burned the book. You know, because I was still in my, you know, I'm going to kill God, you know, faith. So, um, <laughs> so, and, and now I don't care because we're all one, you know, I, because of the unity of, of consciousness or whatever, I do understand. For me, I don't like the idea of a guru. You know, I love the idea that if you meet the Buddha on the road, you should kill him you know, because you're, you're giving him power that you, in fact, behold in yourself. But spirit has told me as I ruminated about that problem, what if somebody's lost? Shouldn't they have somebody to help find them? Now, of course they should. Of course they should. So, so I don't care where it came from. I don't care if Jesus dictated it. Jesus and I are one. It doesn't matter. I don't care if, you know, what it, it, none of that matters to me. None of that matters to me. I know in my, in my gut, I know um, if something is right or not. Yeah. So that's, that's my barometer now, not, you know, some construct about, well, it was channeled or it wasn't channeled. And in fact, I had to leave religious science because the church that I was attending, that the, the minister at the time that never used the word God, when she retired, then the minister that they hired was a fundamentalist religious scientist. <laughs> and that minister wouldn't allow the Course in Miracles there anymore and wouldn't allow all of the other stuff that we'd been having. I mean, they had a fellow come that taught how to walk on coals one time. And the minister, the first minister said, if people want to listen to it and they want to go, let's have it. Well, the new minister wasn't anything. It was, we're going to teach religious science and that's all. So I had to leave the religious science and move to unity. So, so, so what, you know? And, and, you know, the truth is, is no matter what organization you you're in, there will always be those who have that that more fundamentalist, uh, out, you know, uh, approach to it. And then there's the ones who become more and more open to different ways. There are some unity churches that would be the same way, um, as we as would be a Baptist church or an Episcopal church or anything else. And so I'm sometimes surprised where I've, I walk in and I find a, have found a course in miracles in places where I wouldn't expect them to be taught. You know, but, you know, the, the, the founders of unity and religious science were very much uh, against psychism. And I, I've made this up in my own head, 
But, you know, the spiritualists were very big deal about sitting and talking to the dead when most of those people were developing their organizations. And I just wonder if some of that was a response to let's just sit around and talk to dead people. And, you know, those people benefited other people by doing what they were doing. But it was it was such a fad for a while that I just have always wondered if that might have been part of it. But, you know, I agree with you. If you know if it comes from spirit or not, because you can feel it. And so why does it matter where it came from? As long as it it's like, you know, if you're a blind person and someone offers their hand. You know, they don't care who it is. They're just very grateful that someone is helping them along the way. That's right. Yeah. You know, and they and they don't make them their the guru either. They just say thank you for your help and take what they've been offered and move on. Yeah. When somebody's drowning, um, they don't want to hear a lecture about how you know the world is not real. <laughs> it's not an illusion. They don't. <laughs> they, they just want somebody to reach down and grab them. So. Okay, okay, so that takes me to to one of the things that I have heard people say that I know they got from A Course in Miracles, and uh, my own take on it is that they, well, I always have to say that it's not not a, a clear understanding, but this idea that the world is not real, and I was in a group one day, and somebody came in and said, uh, blah, blah, blah is going on, and then she says, oh, but it's just all an illusion anyway, and I just wanted to say, but for you, it is real, for you you know, it's, it's, it, it, it is happening and you can't pretend that it's not real. You just have to understand that it's not permanent because she was just essentially denying, you know, oh, I'm miserable, but no, I'm not really. And just pretending like it wasn't really happening. And that's not what A Course in Miracles teaches. It doesn't teach you to ignore what's going on in your life. It teaches you how to cope with it, right? No, yeah, it's, that's, that's part of metaphysical malpractice. Um, (laughs) <laughs> where where you're you're denying that you have a problem by you know quoting a you know a tenant which you 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 don't believe and you don't have any understanding of yeah. you, know, you know trying to put it put it into the darkness by you know using the tenant to, to put up a wall about it the ultimate concept of the course is that nothing in the physical world is real Someday I'll get there, maybe. I do know that. I do know that that is the the ultimate basis of all healing. When I know that I am only spirit and I am only part of the one. But I'm a long way from there. (laughs) Millions of years, it may take me. I I don't have any idea. Time is irrelevant anyway. But but yes, that, that is one of the tenets of the course. My husband... And I met at a Course in Miracles group. He is a practitioner of the course. I am a practitioner of the course. He still does not buy that idea at all. He just completely, <laughs> he puts that idea into the, you know, and puts the wall up in front of it. It doesn't matter. You don't, you know, you don't have to agree with it or buy it or understand it or accept it or even look at it. Um, but that is in there. It is in there. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've had a personal practice for many, many years. None of my training is traditional, um, is that I go in and I read a book and I, whatever, and I just take, you know, it's like, okay, this resonates with me. This doesn't. And it's not really that I'm, I'm cherry picking because I'm not making a conscious decision to reject something. I'm just saying this resonates, this doesn't, 
which is different than saying that's wrong and that's right. It's like, oh, yeah. Exactly. I I can accept that right now, and I can't accept that right now. Okay, fine. I'll use what I can. I I recommend to people who are, you know, newer to the course, and they'll say, well, I I read that and read that and read that, and I don't get it. And I say, so don't read it again. (laughs) (laughs) Go read read something else. (laughs) Read the next page. Um, You know, read and get something, get one sentence that really touches you and then use that and think about that and use that. That's what was for you. That was what was for you right now. You know, 10 years from now, you may read it and get something completely different out of it. Next week, you may read it. It doesn't matter. We're not going to figure this out in our brains. We're going to figure it out in our soul. So you know, whatever resonates at the soul level is what's for me right now. That's what I can understand and grasp right now. That's what I can use right now. The rest of it is just confetti. It's just confetti. You know, we could have this conversation forever, but Sally, I think that's a beautiful description of of what it is and where it comes from. And I just really appreciate your sitting down with me today and talking about A Course in Miracles. Um, I'm sure that people are listening. If they're interested, they can find A Course in Miracles groups in their towns. Certainly we have the one at at, uh, Spiritual Life Center. You're meeting virtually right now, of course. And, um, but A Course in Miracles is, uh, groups are available all over the, probably the world. Yes. The Miracles Distribution Center, which happens to be down in Southern California, but they have a website and they keep track as best they can um, with groups all over the world. So if anybody's, you know, looking for a group, I I think probably at this point, everything is virtual. So they could come to us and, you know, even from Cincinnati or whatever. But if they're looking for a local group, the Miracles Distribution Center would have a list of what's available. And so if someone were interested in your group, they would just go to slcworld.org and uh, go to the the event, or I think it's the groups page. And anyway, it's easy to find. And uh, I adore you, Sally. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening today. Discover Spirit Within is produced by Spiritual Life Center Sacramento. If you feel inspired and want to show your appreciation and support, please go to slcworld.org forward slash donate. And until we meet again, deep peace of the running wave to you, deep peace of the flowing air to you, deep peace of the quiet earth to you, deep peace of the shining stars to you, deep peace of the sons and daughters of peace to you, and may the joys of the world go with you.